This is Stephanie. Just to give you a heads up, today's podcast will be the last of season three. I will pick up in March for season four and have a list of all new guests. Thank you. See you then. Hello, welcome to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. I am your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. And today I have Jen Duby with me. Jen is a teacher at the Rooted Cafe, which cafe is with a K. Um, She's a blogger, she's a podcaster, and she's a podcaster on the Praise Podcast. And her blog is at pursuingtorah.com. She is a wife and a mother of three grown children. So, So welcome. I appreciate you being here today, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, we have a great one planned. Yes. And um, one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite books of the Bible, which is Hebrews. Welcome. And I appreciate you coming up, but I also um, appreciated your testimony that I had read on your site. So why don't you start us out by um, sharing a little bit more about yourself and you can include as much as you want on your testimony. Sure. Thanks, Stephanie. So, yes, I am um, the new uh, developer of PursuingTorah.com, and this is a new thing for me. I have not been in this uh, journey for very long. It's only been three years. Uh, my relationship and faith history is very usual, I think. I, I The more I talk to people, the more I realize my story is not really uncommon, but just a quick summary. I uh, was born and raised Catholic. Um, was very important to my mother and my father and my dad's whole family was very uh, strong Catholic. Uh, so I did all the Catholic things, went through the sacraments, etc. I remember being a teenager and never really feeling very connected to my faith, which, you know, at the time I thought, oh, I'm just a teenager. Maybe this isn't so unusual, right? But mm-hmm. I always had a heart for God, if that makes sense. I just wasn't connected to what was happening spiritually in my life. And when, uh, my, uh, when I got engaged, um, we had a little bit of a conflict because he was raised, um, Baptist Mm -hmm. and his grandfather was a Baptist minister. And so we had some decisions to make. And so I started attending a Baptist church and I actually loved it. I went forward on an altar call when I was 21 years old and accepted at that time, uh, Christ as my savior. And I was very passionate about it. And it it kind of felt like a little hidden piece of me had all of a sudden risen to the surface and exploded. Mm. And uh, then I was part of that for a long period of time. And one of the things I didn't share on my my blog, but I'll share here with you is that I ended up going through a divorce, which was what caused me to actually fall away from my faith at the time. I, I was just really lost and felt very broken and very disheartened at some circumstances in my life and um, went wayward for about six years. I completely fell away. And you know, when I did that, Stephanie, I always still felt this pull or this connection, but there was something in me that was so broken that I felt like I couldn't come to the father. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a big disconnect. And so for six years, I kind of went very wayward for a while. And I like, it's my rebellion years. I, I really was doing a lot of things. I look back now. And of course I don't share, I don't carry shame because of who I belong to, but I look back at some things I did. And of course there's regret there. Um, but then six years later, he used a longtime friend. Actually, it's the oldest friend I've ever had. And one day she called me to 
talk about some things that were happening in her life. And I want to share just a little bit more detail about this too, because I think it's really profound. She was a woman whose husband had just died. Um, you know, she was in her forties and her husband had died of a very, very painful, horrible cancer. And six months later, she was calling to tell me that her 16 year old daughter had developed, um, seizures and she wasn't sure why. And I remember sitting in my garage, um, she had called me and I was just pulling in, um, from running errands. And I sat in my car and I cried and cried and cried. And I just said, why do you still believe after everything that's happened to you? You know, and thinking of me, like I walked away when my marriage fell apart and I was done. Right. So I, I didn't hold fast to anything solid. I, you know, tribulation hit, trouble hit. And I, I turned and I ran the other direction, feeling right. unloved and unimportant. And yet here was this woman who was so strongly still committed. And, and I'm not going to share specifically what she said to me because it's very personal on her end, but I will say that she gave me words that penetrated my heart so deeply. And I felt like it was a hundred percent from the father saying, mm -hmm. you need to repent and get right with me because you belong to me. And that week, like that, I think it might've happened on a Tuesday or Wednesday. It was like midweek. And that Sunday I started going back to church and, um, I still was, or I was actually at this point in time attending a non-denominational church. And, you know, I, I enjoyed my time there very much. I never want to speak ill of my time there because I still grew mm -hmm. and I believe that my faith increased a lot and I learned a lot and I met some wonderful people. But then um, in 2019, uh, well, I did get remarried in that time too, um, five, six years later. And then in that time, um, there, there were other things that were transitioning, like my kids were growing up and, you know, they were trying to develop faith on their own. And, and um, I had gotten remarried and I had started a new job. And so some different things were happening. And I started to feel this unease again about there was something else I needed to do, or there was just something that was still incredibly lacking. It's all I can say is I like, there was a, a, the shallowness that I felt once before was resuming. It was, it was starting to come back in a different way. So I prayed about it and, you know, I tried to dig in deeper and figure out how, you know, where else I could get involved in church or how else I could like learn and study and do things. And then it was in March of 2020, which in my post, I say, I believe was my year of clear vision. And I believe it was that for a lot of people because the country went in lockdown mm -hmm. and I was laying on my bed and looking back now, I actually believe it was on a Saturday. <laughs> I think it was on what I now call Shabbat, but I remember laying on my bed crying and just crying to the father. Like, why is all this happening? Like, I feel useless and I, I, I need to be with people and I need to be in church and I need to be, and I need to be, and I need to be, right. and I'm just crying out all these things. And then it was like, my spirit just felt so strongly. It's like, I heard him say, not audibly, but inside, but you don't really know me take this time and get to know me. And I do believe that that happened to a lot of people in that season when we were disconnected from others, mm -hmm. um, that we now had to be by ourselves learning who we really were, um, and what we really believed. And we were being challenged in different ways. And it was very shortly after that, that he revealed to me that he had something beautiful for me. And it was the seventh day Sabbath, which he gave at creation. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about it. And I never heard anybody talk about it. I didn't know anybody that was doing it. It was really strange to me, but I saw a Facebook post um, from my friend Rhonda and she had posted something about it. And so I messaged her right away and I said, 
I feel like the father's telling me about this. What, what is that? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she messaged back and said, this is not a uh, direct a DM on Facebook. This is a phone call. Like, can I call you? And can I just share with you what he's shown me? And that was it. That was kind of my second witness or my confirmation. And then I started keeping Sabbath. Um, I find it to be an incredible blessing. I never, ever, ever want to be without it again. He knows we need time to relax and recover. Mm-hmm. And he's given that to us in a command that is still relevant for today. We read in Hebrews, you know, there remains a Sabbath uh, for the people of Israel or the people of God. Right. And so um, then I just started, you know, looking for people like who else is doing this? And I found uh, the portion, which was a Facebook page that was uh, started by a couple ladies around a kitchen table because a lot of women were across the across the country. And I'm actually going to say the globe because there were people in the UK and people in South Africa. And we were all coming together to say the father showing us this beautiful gift that he's given us. Who else is doing it? And how are you walking it out? And what about rejection from family and all this? And then we ended up building a community and a network. So that just, you know, led to me wanting to obey the rest of what is in the word and now deeming myself, I don't identify with any religion, but I just call myself a whole Bible, whole Bible believer. Mm-hmm. If he said it, and if my Messiah did it, who I now call Yeshua, his Hebrew name, um, if he did it, I want to do it. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And then, of course, I'm very passionate about sharing that, which is why I have PursuingTorah.com and um, my praise podcast and mm-hmm. and why I do some teaching with uh, the Rooted Cafe and other groups. Right. It's excellent. He he created us to love him, love his word and all of that. I mean, I, I know that from the bottom of my heart that we all are created to walk with him and love him and join him in in ministry, you know, to reach the world. And I had this relationship with him and I read something about this today, actually, like when it talks about the mystery in I don't even remember which verse it was, but he he was the author of this particular blog post was saying that it's a mystery because we all have a different relationship with with the father and none of our relationships look like somebody else's because we're all individuals and so my relationship with the father is different from your relationship with the father even though he loves us the same we have different relationships and so and he he compared it to our spouse and you and when we were talking earlier it's a marriage and that is so true. This is a covenant in marriage that we have. And one of the things that the Lord had always impressed on me, probably since my, well, since my early thirties was a love for his word. Yes. And as I studied and studied, I would just find things that wasn't how my pastor was saying it. And I was like, I think this is what it means, but why is my pastor saying this is what it means? And, and I was confused and I was I was just felt like I would literally just go to church and walk out empty. And I'm like, why is, why do I have this emptiness? Why do I have this that, you know, when I love the Lord and I love Jesus and I want, I love his word, but I still feel empty. And it was just like, because there's more, there's more that he wanted to show me. And when he started revealing it to me, it was just like, oh, I get it. I get it. You know, well, I think I think something that's different is, is you recognize that what you're thinking and what you're experiencing is something somewhat supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people who've never experienced that, like I just had a conversation with my mom not that long ago. And she's like, well, I just don't know if I believe all these stories, you know, people share. But 
it, there is something that happens to you. And, and actually one thing I didn't say in my testimony that I think started it because I do think Stephanie, it's our heart posture towards him when it was like 2018. And I remember, and I felt the same thing. Like I felt empty, but I, I knew I wanted more of him, but I was reading my Bible. I was going to church. I was doing yeah. the things, but I can't describe it other than the hunger was so strong. It's like, I could not get satiated. And, and I felt kind of like I was not dying inside. That's kind of dramatic, but like, there was just this empty pit. And I'm like, why can't I fill this? Like, what is there? Mm -hmm. And I remember that day I literally, everyone was gone. The kids were at school. My husband was at work and I was, wasn't going into work until 10 o'clock. So it was like nine 30 in the morning. And I just literally threw myself on the ground face down and I started bawling and I said, I need you. I need more of you. I need all of you and less of me. And whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Like, I like, and I was serious. Like I went down and I was, my face was soaking wet and I, I was, I meant it. Like I, it wasn't, um, cause I, it's not like I got up and I'm like, what have I just done? What did, what did I just tell God I would do anything? Like, I didn't mean right. it. I take it back. Yeah. I thought that for a long time. And it's interesting to me that then if I look back and I see from 2018 to 2021 until he brought me into this, he was prepping me with a lot of things. There was a lot of little things like you were saying, you know, I, there were times I went and my pastor, I felt like he was so on fire and I connected and I loved the man to death. I still adore him. And I think Mm -hmm. he's a wonderful human being. He might listen to this someday. So I hope he knows that, you know, everything that he poured into me, I still value to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also remember sometimes sitting in Bible study or other groups and hearing, people say things and I would just say, well, that's not, that's not true. That's what the word said. And then I'd find myself in conflict with people and I didn't want to be in conflict with people, but I couldn't, I couldn't be okay with what I was hearing, knowing that the word said something completely different, or at least that's what I was thinking. So then it just became harder and harder to sit in that place because discontentment grew. And, um, but we want to, we want to be, I feel like I need to say this because some we're, you're right. We're all on different paths. We're all in have different stories with the father and different relationships, just like I have three kids and my relationship with my three kids, Mm -hmm. the relationships with each of them are very different. I respond to them differently. We talk about different things. We have different things in common. Exactly. Um, But when you desire to draw in to intimacy, Mm -hmm. that has a very specific meaning to me. And that meaning is you literally are willing to let go of what you believe to show them the truth. And I am a very strong-willed and stubborn person. My children, my husband, my family would tell you that. Most of my friends would say that. But when you get to the place where you're willing to say, if it's not of you, I just flat out don't want it. And you mean it. I think that's when he starts to work because we can hold on to things that we like, things that we want to be true. And even if we kind of feel like, I I don't really see it in the Bible, but man, I want it to be true. Right. Your right. heart is hardened to him. It's hardened. Right. He he's looking for that pliable heart of someone who will say, I will get rid of it if you want me to. You just show me and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because I think of the times I would just say to the Lord, I surrender everything. I just want to know. I want to know truth. I really want truth in my life. And And if I'm hearing something that isn't truth, 
that is opposite of what your word is saying, then I really need you to show me because I don't want to be deceived. And I would pray like that on a daily basis. I just don't want to be deceived. And and I would run into people and they would say, what do you mean? We can't, we're not deceived. We're Christians. We're not deceived. And I'm like, oh, we're all deceived. <laughs> There's not one person who right. doesn't have a wrong worldview in some way, shape or form. Or that worldview is based in something that's not scriptural. I mean, you know, I grew up with my grandmother telling me things. And it was like, where does that come from, grandma? And she's like, the Bible. The Bible says. And she would just like quote things, you know, God helps those who help themselves. You know, that kind of thing. And and um, as I grew up, I think that verse, there's no verse like that in the Bible. <laughs> Why are you saying that, you know? But I... But, the tradition becomes stronger than the truth. And if we're not careful, I was thinking about this the other day, but if we're not careful, we we can all be like the Pharisees that Jesus had to deal with because Absolutely. what was their biggest issue with Jesus? He was trampling on their traditions. Mm-hmm. And you will see people get up in arms. The hair on their neck stands up and they're like, don't you trample on that tradition. I, that's what I was brought up doing. And this is what I was brought up believing. And don't you trample on my tradition. And I think when we get to the point where we say, Lord, trample all my traditions, trample everything that I think is truth and isn't. And you just tell me, you just start over. If we have to start over, we start over because I want to know the truth that badly. Well, you know, our, our father is looking for a pure and righteous bride. He's not looking for a bride who is a harlot. And I know these words are hard for people sometimes, but harlotry for him, adultery for him is putting anything above him, right? right? And that's, that's a commandment. Have no other gods before me. And that doesn't just mean statues or, you know, right. whatever. It means anything that you love more than anything, anything that you desire, anything that you hold dear more than him. And I try to share with people this idea. I am married and I am in a covenant relationship with my spouse. And if I all of a sudden decided there were things outside of the father, of course, that were more important than him. I'm sorry. I really want to do this. And if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm going to, you know, I desire to buy this, even though you told me we don't have the money. I'm sorry. Our marriage would be destroyed, right? right? It would not, we, that covenant relationship mm-hmm. would be Absolutely. so difficult. So why do we think that God is any different? He's actually way more holy than my husband. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. is holy and he demands holiness. He can only be in the presence of holiness, which we can only come before the father because of Messiah. Like he, you know, he's the one that makes us look clean in front of the father. Right. But if we decide that we want to be harlots, like that relationship it's, it's compromised. And so we have to be willing to put things aside that aren't of him in order to be pure for him. And that's what he desires is the pure bride. And right. I'm not perfect. I sit here and I say these things, man, I sin all the time. I, re- I actually, I had something a couple of weeks ago that I reverted back to a bad behavior that I had worked so hard to get rid of for a long time. And I had one bad day and it just reared its ugly head. And I instantly was like, father, I am so sorry. I forgive me. Like, I don't want to be that type of a bride for you. I I don't want to do that. I know that displeases you. And 
but we're human and we're going to have days and thank goodness for the blood of Messiah for that reason, right? Like that's why we need that blood is because we are going to falter. We're human. We're not in our spiritual bodies. We're in our flesh bodies. And, and so we're going to do things wrong and we're going to screw up, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be as pure as we can for him. But we just, let's be real. We just live in a culture that is not about purity or even about we're not about abstinence from things, right? Like I'm not just even talking sexually. I'm talking like, if we want it, we go get it. We don't care if it's considered harlotry or breaking a commandment or against God's word, or if it hurts another person or whatever, we're very much about self-gratification in our current culture. And my daughter and I just actually had that conversation last night because she's having a change of thinking about her career and everything. And, and she was talking about mom, our culture is just, it's so hard sometimes because there's so much pressure to do this or to do that. And sometimes I don't want to do it, but I just feel like I have to, because that's the direction everybody pushes you. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. I would not want to be a teenager today either, but anyway, that's a whole different subject. Yeah, I understand, but it's true. And I, I've had the same things that you were referring to. I mean, I remember having this certain desire and, um, and again, it wasn't some perverse desire or anything. It was just something I really, really wanted and the Lord just spoke to me, a Holy Spirit spoke and just said, that's idolatry. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I had to repent right then and there. And I, I never had the Lord just put his finger on something and said, that is idolatry. You want that more than you yeah. want me. And I was like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to be that mm-hmm. person. Um, And I don't think that, you know, like I spoke to some college groups once and and I remember like telling them, I said, you know, we, we can sit there and we can go through all these normal things that the church teaches about this and that, and then, and about pride and, and rejection and passiveness and all of that. But I said, not too many people talk about idolatry and you guys have to be aware of what is an idol in your life because, because the idols are there, but until you can put your finger on them, they're going to keep being idols until you repent. And sometimes we don't know, and we should be asking him to show us so that we can get rid of them. Because I know I had something in my life. It was actually a group I was involved in. And all I could see is how great it was and how wonderful it was. And then I had this moment where he said, I don't get any glory when you're with those people, you know, like there's, there's, there are things happening there that do not honor me. And those things are hard because sometimes we think things are good. Like, well, why wouldn't he love it if I did this? Or why wouldn't he love it if I was part of that? Or why wouldn't he love me saying this? And it's like, well, you think it's good, but we don't get to define good. He defines good in his word. He tells us what righteous living looks like. He tells us what honors him and gives him glory. And our whole purpose, like the whole reason we were created was to bring him glory and to be in relationship. Other than that, life is really kind of pointless. If if it if is. we go through life believing that we can do it our way and we're just going to live how we want at the end, it's just over. It is, it is actually meaningless because there's nothing that will follow it. But when we live our right. lives righteously and accordingly, that is an eternal, we are investing in eternity, which is the most beautiful and be- you know wonderful gift that he could have possibly given us is eternity with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you mentioned something earlier. So you, you mentioned about covenant and we, we kind of, I t- kind of said it too, but um, 
it's one of my favorite subjects. I've gone deeply into Covenant and there's so much there. You had written an article for your blog. I love this topic of new covenant because I was teaching on it as well. Like right after you had put it up, posted it, um, I was actually preparing to teach it this past Saturday. So why don't you kind of open that up and start unpacking what is the new covenant and how, I guess more so, how do we misunderstand the new covenant? Well, first, I feel like I need to give a disclaimer that I am by no means an expert on this topic, but I'm very passionate about looking at the things that I used to believe that I don't think actually are aligned in scripture. And this is one of them that I've chosen for myself to study out because I want to study to show myself approved and to make sure that the things that I believed I have biblical backing on. And so, of course, you know, one of the things growing up that we learned is, oh, when Jesus came, you know, um, he gave a new covenant. And so everything that's in the Old Testament is no longer valid. And it's a new covenant under under Messiah. And it's true that there is a renewed covenant with Messiah's um, death, burial, and resurrection. Um, but it's not what we think it is. And so in studying chapters like Jeremiah 31, which I think is a great place to go, we have to understand that um, the new covenant isn't a new Testament concept. (laughs) It is in the old covenant and it is defined or old Testament and it is defined in the old Testament. So we have to go back and we have to look for definitions and foundations for these principles that are talked about in the new Testament. And I honestly believe I'll say this to Stephanie real quick. I don't think there's anything in the New Testament that wasn't already covered in the Old Testament, and they have to be in agreement right. with each other, right? Oh, yeah. So for people who are like- I heard it said where the New Testament is nothing more than a commentary on yes. the old. Everything that was, when they say the word or when they talk about scripture, they're talking about the Old Testament because it wasn't written yes. yet. So, yes. But just as a um, information for people who are listening- we're going to talk somewhat about chapter eight in Hebrews and you will find Jeremiah 31 in Hebrews eight. So it's outlined in there. So you can actually look at that passage as we talk about that one as yeah. well. So go ahead. So in Jeremiah 31, which Stephanie, you're correct. It, it's repeated in Hebrews eight again by the author of Hebrews, but it, you know, it, Jeremiah says, behold, the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah It's not going to be like the covenant I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand out of Egypt, the covenant which they broke, even though I was their husband, for this is the covenant I'm going to make with them, with the house of Israel after those days. Now, I believe after those days is after the days of Yeshua. And it says, Mm -hmm. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So for me, when I read this now, there are people who believe that the new covenant will not be fully confirmed until we are in the millennial kingdom. And I I do think there's truth to that. However, I think with the giving of the Holy Spirit and um, Messiah's death, burial and resurrection, that law that was once written on tablets is now in the heart, but it's not a new law because at this point in time, when God says, I will put my law within them. There's one law. There's, there's, there's the law that he gave on Sinai, the covenant law, (coughs) excuse Mm -hmm. me. So I don't think that the new covenant really changed the intention or the need for the law. 
because righteousness is defined in scripture as unto good works. But what the new covenant did is it changes us because if now he gives us the Holy Spirit or in Hebrew, we call it the Ruach HaKadosh, it changes us on the inside. It changes our heart. And then we gain a greater desire to obey what he has commanded. And he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And again, like you just pointed out, the New Testament was not written yet. So those commands were that he was, Yeshua Messiah was in alignment with the father. He didn't come to teach anything different. And that's something I think that we have to question I'm so sorry. I'm getting a tickle in my throat. We have to question is that, do we believe that when Yeshua came, he came to teach the same thing the father taught, or was he coming to give a different message? Because if you believe that the law is completely gone and nothing in the old Testament is relevant, then they were not in alignment with each other. But Yeshua even says, I did not come to teach my ways. I came to teach the ways of my father. He says that multiple times. So then um, and when he says that he came to fulfill them, it's not a one and done. It's it's he came to teach them. He came to explain yes. them. And I think often we use that fulfill as it's one and done. So I so. always look for a second witness when I look at these types of things. And so then you can go to Jeremiah and you can see in Jeremiah 36, 27, he says, God says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So he's telling us that he's he's going to cause us to obey his statutes and his rules that he has already created by putting the spirit within us. So then, yes, if we do go to Hebrews, um, we see that exact same thing. It's, it, you know, he basically says, and I don't have these verses written down, although I'm happy to like look them up real quick. But Oh, I have them. So you can just, if you want, um, I can kind of read it if you tell me what you want read or something like that so yeah so he hebrews um why well, I, I mean i don't know how far back you want to go i mean basically eight eight through 13 is where i think it's solid but you don't have to read all of those we, and we can also just mm-hmm. give a an overview of that yeah if i start in six but as it is christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he med- mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises For if that first covenant in brackets, we're going to put it in brackets right now, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So he's talking about first and second. And I think that we talked about those verses a little bit, if you Mm -hmm. want to unpack that. What we see in Hebrews 8 here is that covenant, and I looked this up in the Blue Letter Bible, which is a good place to go, because I want to always go back and look at the original text. What did the original text say? Because translations can get funny. They can get translated kind of off Mm -hmm. for our language and our our Western mindset, Western culture, which isn't always a very accurate representation. So it doesn't actually say, when you look in the Blue Letter Bible, it doesn't say covenant. It just says what was old is being made new and it doesn't say covenant. So we imply that, but if you read the text and it says that um, Yeshua has obtained a ministry much more excellent than the old. So the Levitical priesthood was human hands offering animal sacrifices and they had to do it once a year. Can't even imagine how many animals had to die for the sins of humanity. And not only that, but we even see like with Aaron's sons and stuff, the, the priests were not, they were not always righteous, right? Like they're, they were flawed. So the new right. thing that's happening is 
what he's what he's bringing them into is a new priesthood. Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, comes from the order of Melchizedek. There is a different priesthood, and he is going to be a very different kind of priest. And he is going to be that is going to be a better covenant or a better better promise than what was given with the Levitical priesthood. And I think everyone can agree that we'd much rather have Yeshua, Jesus, than uh, Aaron and his lineage mediating on our behalf. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that we have to keep in mind, one of the things I learned was with every covenant, though, because again, we can, you know, there's, there's different words for different covenants, but, but I think you just made the point that they all kind of, they're all pretty much yes. a marriage type of covenant. It's an intimacy, a saying that you are mine and I am yours forever. That's it. But when you look through history, there were different words for these covenants. And when the covenant that God made with Adam in the garden, that was based on marriage, basically. And then he divorced him, basically, when he sent him out of the garden. But every every covenant had a priesthood. So Adam acted as a priest. Noah acted as a priest with that covenant. And then you had the Levitical priesthood with the Sinai covenant, but with Ad, um, Abraham, you had Melchizedek with that covenant. And I found that just very interesting because now what is he renewing? He's renewing that covenant made with Abraham. And now he takes the place of Melchizedek in that order. So it, it's putting all those pieces together. And that's what kind of makes Hebrews difficult. But when you get it, it's like, wow. I got it. You know, I get this now, how it all fits. It does. But when, you know, when you read Hebrews, like eight Mm -hmm. through 10 are my favorite in Hebrews. And when you read all three of those chapters together, you really get the full picture because if in verse 13, so of course we've added, but it reads in my Bible in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete is growing old and vanishing away. So, of course, if I read that and I have no context of the rest of Hebrews and I don't understand the covenants of the Old Testament, I'm going to be like, see, I don't have to do any of that anymore because it's vanishing away. It's old. But if you understand that he's talking about the priesthood and he says, you know, what is becoming old, the Levitical priesthood and the sacrifice of lambs, you know, and and different animals, the animal sacrifices, if that is growing old and vanishing away because a new priest is coming that makes sense for prophecy that has been fulfilled. Messiah has come, but then it also aligns much better um, when we go to nine and 10. So if we go to like 1026, and I think this is where you have to say, well, if it was done away with, why are we talking about this? It says, for if we go on sinning, which we know sin by definition in scripture is transgression of the law, first John three, four. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful judgment or fearful expectation of judgment and a furry of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse do you think it will be for the one who is trampled underfoot, the son of God, profaning the blood covenant by which he was sanctified, outraging the spirit of grace? So we use grace all the time as a reason that we also don't have to do this. But this is saying, listen, you cannot deny the law of Moses here because otherwise Yeshua was the word in the flesh. He is the Torah. He is the instructions in the flesh. He came to do them perfectly. 
If he came to do that and all of a sudden you just keep sinning intentionally and disobeying the law, then you're trampling on the blood covenant that Messiah gave. Whoa, what? I don't want to do that. Are you kidding me right now? Like, do we understand that, that we are trampling on what he has done? And it it actually says you are outraging the spirit of grace. We say we live under grace, but we're outraging grace when we trample on Messiah's blood. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are things that, and I'm not condemning anyone because people have to learn this. They have to ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. And I'm not even saying that I have all this right. But when I read that, what I see is that it's very important to continue with the instructions because Messiah came to show us how to do it. He says, I did not come to abolish, but to fill up. Um, And I don't want to outrage and abuse the word or the, the, um, I don't want to abuse grace. Grace is a beautiful thing and it's a gift, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to abuse Mm -hmm. it. And going back because there you know covenant is mentioned four times in eight in in hebrews chapter eight but two of those times it's actually talking like you said about the priesthood because that is what he started in chapter five talking about the priesthood and then he has to stop and he kind of gives them a little rebuke and says well you know you guys don't know scriptures well enough for me to talk about Melchizedek. So let me go back and give you some other lessons first. And then he goes back to Melchizedek. It's kind of funny when I read that, like, he's like, okay, you don't know this. Let's go back and get some history. So then he goes on and talks <laughs> about um, Jesus, the high priest of a better covenant. Um, but that's what my Bible, that's what the heading says here. But what he's saying here is that is a renewed covenant, but it's also better in that it was once based on purely obedience. If you did this and or you didn't do this, there was yes. punishment. There were blessings and there were curses. But what we have in the better covenant, if you will, or, or renewed covenant, is we have unconditional love. We have unconditional, we have grace yes. that will, that just as you and I said, when the Lord pointed out to me, Stephanie, that's idolatry. I wasn't immediately out of covenant with him. There was grace that when I repented, now I'm back in line with him in his covenant. Um, there's that chance to repent and there's that, ch- and it's always been there, but they, they never took advantage of it, I guess, in, in some ways, but it's, it's much. That makes, that makes me want to sing the song. What right. can wash away mm-hmm. my sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right. I may have you add that out later, but yeah. anyway, I think about that because I know I'm, I'm not a good singer. I forgive me for all of those <laughs> who had to listen to that, but I mean, I think about that and it's true that we don't know, we don't keep the instructions. We don't do the, the covenant. We don't walk in covenant life wanting to keep Sabbath and do the feasts and stuff because we think it's what saves us. Yeah. It's not at all what saves us. Right. So you're right. It's like, before they there was there was like this greater penalty mm-hmm. of death the torah itself shows sin and so it brings death because sin leads to death we know that the wages of sin is death but because we have the blood of messiah and this beautiful picture of grace mm-hmm. that he covers us it's different and so, it's way yeah, better so he is our He's our new high priest and he only had to go and sacrifice once. And again, read Hebrews because he says that every priest before him had to make multiple sacrifices 
bringing gifts, bringing grains, bringing offerings. Jesus did it one and done in that regard. He brought one offering that was himself, one sacrifice, and and we we don't need another one. So so when we talk about the law, the the sacrifice sacrificial system has been done away with in our in our relationship in that regard. We don't need to sacrifice, yes. but we also don't have the temple standing anymore. We don't have that priesthood anymore. Jesus is the new priesthood. He is the better priesthood. And and that's what you have to, I guess, when you read Hebrews is really get grasp that he's talking about the priesthood, not necessarily the Mosaic covenant. And that has been added. And, and I think that that's been kind of a detriment to us and it has t- enabled us to take scripture in the wrong the wrong meanings of scripture because we have that idea in our heads that he's doing away with the mosaic covenant so it's kind of sad but um but it's exciting it's real it's really very sad because if and i know you know a lot of people won't necessarily use the blue letter bible or they're just going to read it for you know what's what is mm-hmm. the text in there but you have to be careful that we we know what's added and what's we, really in there and what kind of context has changed because yeah, of our western we really mindset. have um no excuses because the lord has given us in this day and age we can look up everything you do not have to just go on yeah. what somebody teaches you don't have to sit here and believe us go to bible hub go to blue letter bible and look it up and it'll it'll be in brackets covenant is in brackets which means it was added and there were so just imagine people, you know, a hundred years ago yeah. that didn't have access to Bibles or internet or anything like that. They really were at the mercy of the people teaching them, or they needed to have the father supernaturally reveal um, through his Holy spirit things that, you know, because I, we are so blessed. I, I don't know how many Bibles I, I have, yeah, but I have too. tons of Bibles, <laughs> tons of books, tons of apps on my phone. And I'm just, um, we really are blessed and you're right. We have no reason yep. to be ignorant in today's day. If it's a heart's desire, we need yeah. to be paying and attention. We'll need to, uh, to end this soon here, but I would, I just wanted anybody who's interested. I'm, I'm going to hold up the book for the video portion of this, but the Mel, the Melchizedek code for the cause of a righteous King. It's by Christy Anderson. It is a great commentary. It's not huge. The first half of it has all of Hebrews written in it. So you can take notes. And then the second half has commentary. But boy, does she go into a lot of great detail and explain. And, and I have a book on he- Hebrews too. But but honestly, I mean, I, I actually want to go back and revise my Bible study. I can say that on air because um, I have learned so much more than I did the first time I went through that. And I want to share those things too. We will forever be students. Yes, we will. We will never have it all figured out. We just need to keep leaning in and ask him to keep showing us more. And I like to say, I always reserve the right to change my mind based as led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because sometimes things become more clear. And I'm like, oh, I always thought it was this. And now I see it's that. So, well, thank you. I appreciate this. This was fun for me. I like talking about scripture. I appreciate uh, bringing in what you have learned and, and sharing with us. Well, thank you so much for letting me share my testimony and for having some afternoon chat time with you today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find me at graftedjewishroots.com. Please check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews, on my website. And I also have a Facebook page under the same name. Join me every Wednesday for a new episode of Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. Thank you for listening.